What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you here on Tuesday evening in between the two games with the Clippers playing the San Antonio Spurs as we'll weigh in on game number one between the two teams that happened last night. Clippers thoroughly dominating the Spurs in convincing fashion for the second time this year. I am Brandon Marcus at BD Marcus on Twitter and joined by my co-host Matt Mattawarren at Matt Mattawarren on Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. He is back with me. Matt, how are you, my friend? Sports Ethos Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus. How the heck are you? Very nice to be back. Very nice to have a couple of Clippers wins in the pocket at this point. And I am looking very much forward to you. You wish you could play the Spurs every time. Luckily, we get to play him again. Yeah, no kidding. The Clippers have really just put their claws into the Spurs the first couple of times these two teams have played. I think the Clippers were like eight and a half point favorites yesterday, which is a really big number for a team on the road. And they just absolutely dominated, which was great to see. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch any of the games since I was broadcasting a UC Irvine game, but you did. Um, so we'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, I got Justin Wilson's thoughts on the Sunday podcast but I've not gotten your thoughts yet on the lineup change that saw Russell Westbrook move to the bench and it saw Terrence Mann come into the starting lineup. Curious to get your thoughts on what you think about the move. I know you and I have just, you and I discussed it previously and it was something that we thought should have happened a while ago. Um, But curious to get your thoughts and how it's played out so far. It was really nice to see it done. You and Justin had a great pod, by the way. Thank you. Every single second of it. Um, But I, I was just very happy to see the move get made sooner rather than later, whether that was Westbrook going to Ty Lue and the rest of the guys and saying, look, I need to come off the bench. Or if there was some Ty had the hand in it too, whoever did very nice to see it happen because, well, you, you lose five games, six games in a row, but five with James Harden. And obviously something is not working. So something had to change it. You could see it open up the floor a bit more. And I just mean in, in zippiness, um, with with T Man running around, um, he didn't score in this game against the Spurs, but that's okay. He was still a plus seven in his twenty five minutes. Russ got twenty five minutes as well. The bench makes a little bit more sense. Pacing makes a little bit more sense. Uh, a move that had to be made, and I know I was, I mentioned that perhaps Harden should go to the bench. I now think that was probably the wrong move, which is why I don't coach the Clippers. I think the starting lineup is going to be great, and I'm sure we'll talk about the newest addition, Daniel Tice, but with him now as the backup big, very encouraging early returns. Yeah, and it's interesting. You mentioned the Harden part, and you and I were basically saying, hey, it needs to be one of the two, whether it be Harden or Westbrook, and Harden hadn't been great. His plus-minus hadn't been good, and so we were like, all right, well, it's worked previously with Westbrook, PG, and Kawhi, so maybe Harden's the guy that comes off the bench. But now that you've seen it for a couple of games, it really does make sense that Harden's the starter. And when he said, I'm a system, you kind of get it because now that he's got the controls and he's able to run the offense and get Kawhi open looks and just run the offense really smoothly and the offense is really, really good with him at the helm, you get it and you understand why he's the guy starting. It just gives them more space on the floor as well with his ability to shoot the three ball and Westbrook obviously not feared from long range, um, not feared really from any sort of jump shot range and it makes a lot of sense. The numbers clearly favor um, what we've seen so far and I'll, I'll throw some numbers out throughout this podcast that have stood out to me. Um, and a couple of them 
Justin Russo always does a tremendous job um, putting out some stats. And one that he put out today was that the Clippers are plus 45 in the 46 minutes that James Harden, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Zoo have played with either Terrence Mann, they're plus 33 in those minutes, or Norman Powell, a plus 12. So the two combined, obviously, plus 33, plus 12, that's plus 45 in the 46 minutes that those guys have played together. And you and I talked about how maybe someone was floating. I think it was, um, yeah, it was Justin that said maybe Norman Powell should be the guy that starts instead of Westbrook because it allows them to space the floor and Norm Powell is dangerous from three and Norm's your dude and he's been great in these first couple of games and it really passes the eye test with Terrence Mann helps out defensively helps them spread the floor just gives them that guy that he can pass wherever they give him the ball Norm Powell obviously is a great three-point shooter the spacing is just much better with those guys and the Clippers are averaging 1.3 points per possession and allowing just 0.89. So what's interesting is the defense has been outstanding despite having a guy, Norm Powell, who's not known for his defense, and the offense has been outstanding as well. So that's a stat that stood out for me, Matt. Yeah, and, uh, and Justin Russo also mentioned you speak of defense. He uh, tweeted this out earlier today. He said that if there are four teams in the NBA, mm-hmm. top half uh, – Top 10, I'm sorry, in both half-court offense and half-court defense is the Celtics, the Nuggets, the Thunder, and the Clippers. So the defense is working, and I'm sure those numbers reflect, you know, what happened in these last two games. Obviously, they do, but things are getting better. You can sort of see a direction now. The starting lineup was never going to stay the way it was. Norm, to your point, has been so important. And you talk about James Harden as a system. Well, speaking of assists... He had 10 against the Spurs. He had nine against in the, in the win against the Rockets. So it's starting, or I'm sorry, seven against the win against the Rockets, but it's starting to it's starting to creep up into those double-digit or close to double-digit assist numbers to where he was the leader in assists last year. So you can see it, you know, starting to, the, the picture is becoming a little less blurry and uh, you can kind of focus in on what this team is probably, ho- or hopefully going to look like. Yeah, he averaged just under 11 assists per game last year and, also, a number that has stood out is his turnovers. Zero turnovers yesterday with 10 assists and just three turnovers, which is not bad for a guy that has the ball as much as he does, with seven assists in that game against Houston. So he's played a combined 62 minutes. And in those 62 minutes in the two wins, he's got himself 37 points, 12 rebounds, 17 assists, and just three turnovers with four threes. And you, you love to see it. You, you love to see it. He's getting to the free throw line as well. He's an outstanding free throw shooter. And it really seems to look great. And uh, one more stat for you, courtesy of a loyal listener and one of the best pregame, halftime, postgame guys in the business, Adam Osland at follow Adam A on Twitter. After two games, the Clippers' new starting lineup has an offensive rating of 133.8. That is staggering and a defensive rating of just 81.7. Ooh. 133.8 for offense, just 81.7 for defense. Subtract the net subtract the two to get the net rating and it's just 52.2 in 30 minutes on the court. They're shooting 62% from the field and 50% from three. So thank you Adam for that one. And listen, I was going to come on this podcast and we're going to talk about how great the Clippers have been, but we do have to kind of 
temper our expectations knowing how bad the two teams are that the Clippers have faced. I mean, Houston was off to a good start. I think they were 6-3 and three when the Clippers beat them, and they're well coached by Ime Odoka. So listen, that's a good win. The Spurs, though, are just an absolute mess. That being said, you and I have said this before. The issue with the Clippers last year was they were losing games to teams that were bad and they had no business losing to. Well, now the Clippers are beating teams that they should be beating. And we'll see what happens in the next couple because you've obviously got San Antonio on Wednesday. You've got New Orleans on Friday. And then Dallas is a really tough one on the second game of a back-to-back on Saturday. I'll be curious to see if PG and Kawhi play in both of those. And then you've got Denver, Sacramento, Golden State to close out the month. So I think we'll have a better idea of what this Clipper offense looks like at the end of the month. But that being said, that means they have a couple more games before they get to that tough stretch to make things even better offensively and defensively and with the rotation. So certainly some really promising signs from this offense and from this starting unit um, the first couple of games we've seen it. So you've got to be happy if you're a Clippers fan. Absolutely enthused. And you're, you're right. We say it all the time. You've got to win these games you're supposed to. But another thing it does is it affords you, you know, a little less stress and you can kind of get used to the rotations more. You can get used to the guys you're playing with, you know, by no means is it a practice. I would never disrespect any professional team like that. But you do get a chance to sort of run your plays, not against maybe the highest level of competition in the NBA, like is going to be facing us when we face the Nuggets, Kings, Warriors and a lot of a lot of tough games coming up like you mentioned but aside from winning those games you have you have to take advantage a in winning them and you have to take advantage also in learning your your new lineup uh, getting used to your players i mean i think we saw that a little bit with with zoo at least the eye test to me in that rockets game and then also uh in the spurs but especially in that rockets game he just looked more comfortable uh coming up and screening for harden and getting some dimes from him and just he, I felt like Zoo looked a little lost, quite honestly, um, when Harden first came over. And, you know, his, his numbers aren't going to bowl you over in either game. But he, I, I just thought he looked more comfortable and Harden looked comfortable with him. So that was extremely encouraging to see. So you got to take advantage of those moments. Yeah, and of course we know what we're going to get from guys like PG, Kawhi, James Harden. But the the two pieces that really put it together are zoo and T man and how will they fit? And really it looks like Harden and zoo have figured out a really nice pick and roll and they seem to get um, in good spots together. So you like to see that. Um, So the starting unit certainly has been better. Listen, the starting unit was terrible though in that first game, but I'm rather the bench unit was terrible in that first game against the Rockets. However, not the case against the Spurs. I mean, you look up and down the board and the plus minus, it's all plus. And that's what happens when you win all four quarters against the Spurs. But Norm Powell is a guy that we've talked about. 19 points. The game before that, he had 10 um, against Houston. A couple of big shots in that game. Westbrook had 10 points, two rebounds, six assists, and three steals. And then you mentioned it. Daniel Tice, 19 points, seven rebounds, a steal. He was 8 of 10 from the field. One of one from downtown, two of two from the free throw line. And let's go there. Let's talk about Daniel Tice. What did you see in that game yesterday? Because, listen, this is a guy the Clippers basically got for nothing. He was waived and then signed for the minimum. And all of a sudden, the Clippers have themselves a backup big. You and I were were crying out for it. They didn't get a guy who was seven feet, but they got a guy who could help stretch the floor and seems like a really nice fit um, in the bench unit. And with uh, with the other starters as well when he plays with them. So what did you see from Daniel Tice? 
funny you mention his size and he's not a seven footer and he is no, by no means a seven footer. He's six, eight, but watching it. And I, you know, I hadn't watched a lot of Daniel Tice at least recently. And he is a big six, eight. I'll tell you that. Like he really holds his own out there. And one thing that he really does, um, he's all, he's known as a guy who plays with intensity and he's a scrappy guy, but he also plays with pace. Like he, he kind of like a Mason Plumley, he gets up and down this floor, which is why, he did have some nice moments with uh, Harden, but I think he and Russell Westbrook are going to be best friends on that bench unit because these guys are going to fly. Tice can move. He's a big 6'8", but he's only 6'8", so he he can go. I really like the way he fit in. It was it was seamless. You know, it, it he got 21 minutes to Zeus 22, so they're going to be interchanging these two. Uh, perfect from the free throw line, like you said, and a really big component. You mentioned it, one of one from downtown. So you get a big that can stretch the floor because we didn't really have that. And now now that that's going to be part of his game, I think he's going to really help bolster this bench unit. It's it's just kind of perfect timing with Russ moving to that unit, Tice joining him there at times. That's going to work really, really well. And with Norm joining them as well as a scorer, those three, but Tice and Westbrook together, I really like that pairing, that duo. It looked, it looked fantastic uh, in that first game. And listen, with Daniel Tice, he doesn't need to be a guy that hits four threes a game. Like He doesn't not need to be that guy that can even attempt four threes a game. Just the actual possibility of him hitting a three ball when he stands out there will make the defense stretch more, which is exactly what you want to see. I mean, you look at last year with Indiana – he only played in seven games. He averaged one and a half threes per game. The year before that, 1.3 with Boston. And then with Houston, he was at three threes per game that same year. So he's a guy that can attempt two and a half to three threes a game, depending on how much how many minutes he plays. But just the thought of him shooting the three ball all of a sudden extends the defense. And so when you have guys like Norm Powell on the floor and you guys put guys perhaps like Paul George or James Harden or Kawhi Leonard all of a sudden, you've got another shooter on the floor that certainly helps you out. And if you have Westbrook on the floor, then Westbrook has a little more space to operate as well. And he can find another shooter. So we were asking for a guy that could spread the floor as that four or that five. And listen, P.J. Tucker certainly has not been cutting it thus far. Will he have a role at some point? Perhaps. Will he be a guy that we want to see on the floor at some point? Perhaps. I mean, he's been fine in lineups that don't include Zoo. Um, so clearly those two can't be paired together. I think there were a minus seven and two separate stints yesterday. Um, I mean, the numbers have just been really bad with those two guys on the floor. And when you watch the game, it just, you could see why. But with Tice, all of a sudden, you get yourself a backup big that can spread the floor and really helps this team because. One of the things with this Clippers team, Matt, is that they have a lot of three-point shooters, and they need the space to operate. And so when you bring in a guy like Tice, it, it seems like the missing piece in a way, which is what you need when Plumlee out. And Plumlee wasn't a guy that shot the three, but it just makes more sense with this lineup now that you have Harden to add to the fold with a guy like Tice. And so I'm glad to see him, and I'm glad to see him doing so well in just his third game. Shooters everywhere. You're right. Um, we didn't have that with Plumley. Obviously, with Zoo, and when Zoo and Westbrook were in the starting lineup together, I mean, you take away, you just you you give the defense gifts in that way to not have to respect either shooter. I mean, how many times is Westbrook open from the corner? And they'll give it to him. And, and to his credit, you know, he's been pretty good from the corner, but not any nothing to write home about. 
Zoo is a non-factor from the outside. So to add a big that can shoot, especially in this day and age, is is a huge, huge, huge bonus. You'll love to see it. He seems very enthusiastic to be here. Um, I might have to get a Daniel Tice City Edition jersey only because, and we'll mention him one more time, our good friend Justin Russo posted a picture of Tice's City Edition uniform when he first joined the team. I replied and said, "I kind of, is it weird that I want this Tice City Edition uniform? The Daniel Tice fan club replied to me and said, no, so it's not weird. Maybe I need to get one. There's a Daniel Tice fan club? Well, there's a, there's a Twitter account called Daniel Tice fan club. Uh, how many members there are, I do not know. But listen, I'll join. Listen, props, because I, I got to assume that that fan club is a little more cordial than the Russell Westbrook fan club, because you see those guys out in force on Twitter, and they are mean. I mean, when when anybody says anything slightly negative towards Russell Westbrook, they just go after you. Some of the stuff that I was seeing um, sent to some beat writers and some other media members that cover the Clippers, it was just really ugly. I, I mean, listen. There's a reason why Westbrook went to the bench. There's a reason why James Harden's starting. There's a reason why Westbrook has what we were hesitant to get Westbrook in the first place. Like, listen, he has been a great soldier for this team, but he is no James Harden. And to think that he is James Harden or he's at that level is just insane. So yeah, I hope that I'm 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 assuming that Daniel Tice fan club is just a bit nicer than that Russell Westbrook fan club. So far they've been great to me. They've Good. all they've done is encouraged me to buy Daniel Tice jerseys, which to me is a nice a nice aside i uh you know speaking of westbrook moving to the bench and the the westbrook fan club i was becoming a huge fan of bones i don't I haven't got a chance to talk to you yet about his role or non role mm-hmm. now that uh westbrook has moved to the bench what are your what are your feelings on that yeah, it's a bummer because you and i were really excited about him getting a decent sized role um this season and to give Russell Westbrook some credit, we Russell Westbrook is a guy that really was serving as a mentor for Bones Highland and still is. And you look at what Bones did yesterday and just limited action, you could see that there were certainly some things that he could provide to a bench unit. I mean, he is someone that has pace. He is someone that can shoot. Um, yesterday, he only played four minutes, but he hit a three. He got a rebound. He had assists. It just, it's, he's a guy that you could see has potential only played four minutes yesterday, which is actually a pretty big bummer given how much of a blowout it was. Um, but yeah, you listen to the podcast that I had with Justin, and I mentioned, listen, the possibility of trading away Russell Westbrook or just not having him certainly is a possibility because Bones Highland can step up into that backup point guard role. There's no reason why he cannot serve as the backup point guard. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you like to have youth on a team, right? I mean, it just, that's one thing that we've really criticized as Clippers team is that they don't have enough youth or athleticism. And then all of a sudden you get a young guy in Bones Highland that showed glimpses and then he was all of a sudden ostracized and he's no longer in the rotation. It's a bummer to see, but I think that down the road, there's certainly a possibility that he serves as the backup point guard and supplants Russell Westbrook, whether it be that Westbrook is sent somewhere else in a trade or he's released or something because Bones can bring a lot, and and one thing that he can bring that Russell Westbrook can't is the shooting. Um, but West, Russell Westbrook obviously brings a lot of other stuff with great rebounding and with a lot of pace as well. So I don't know. I'm curious to see what what do you think? I, yeah, I was I, I'm a big fan of Bones. I mean, his development from last season to this season, and you're right, the shooting he has that over Westbrook. But Westbrook, he he kind of has every 
not everything else, but he has a he has the experience. He he has no problem leading leading a unit, be it the the first or the second. You know, Bones is obviously a guy who could potentially lead the second unit, but we don't know how that would fare, especially come playoff time. And I know you I know you mentioned um, on the pod with Justin last week last week and tonight. What if Westbrook gets traded eventually? What if he gets released? We as Clippers fans and you and me on this podcast have always talked about how we want youth. But let's say Westbrook sticks and Bones, you know, is going to be in this uh, did not play coach's decision or four minute role during the regular season or what have you. Would it be wise for the Clippers to perhaps sacrifice youth because of the roster that you have with Harden, George, Kawhi, so on and so forth, Westbrook? And would Bones be a trade candidate if, you know, towards the trade deadline, the Clippers wanted to add another piece, package a few things together? You think that would be in the cards or Bones must stick Westbrook may go? No, that's a possibility. It's a possibility. It's just a matter of what somebody will give you. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't It doesn't hurt to have Bones as a third guard because, listen, what happens if, God forbid, Harden does get hurt? Then you have Westbrook that comes in the starting lineup, and then who's going to be the backup point guard? So it doesn't hurt to have three point guards. Um, you could have other guys obviously fill that role, but I, I think with the – the four guys that you're playing right now off the bench in Powell and Westbrook and Tice and Tucker. Um, I mean, you lose a lot if all of a sudden Harding gets hurt and Westbrook steps in that starting lineup. If you don't have a guy like Bones Highland that can step in as the backup point guard. So I, I think it's possible that all three stay, but it, in the playoffs, it's only going to be seven or eight guys that play. And most likely you're only going to see one of those two in Westbrook or Bones Highland. And it doesn't hurt to have a guy like Highland that sticks around for another year or two. And then maybe in a year, he takes that Westbrook role as opposed to this year. And he continues to learn under him and gets the minutes in different blowouts or what have it. I mean, obviously, it's not what he wants. He wants to play more minutes. But you never know what his role could be down the line. Yeah, and I don't I, – I agree with you. And I mean, I hope he stays. I, I'm not suggesting that's something that I want to happen. I've gotten very fond of Bones. What I haven't been fond of, and you mentioned it, and you mentioned him, and I didn't even say I didn't even say his name is PJ Tucker's play so far has been a little uninspiring to say the least. I uh, I'm curious what his role or lack thereof will be. Yeah. As the season moves forward and then come playoff time, because you could say yes, we want to insert him as a small ball five, but now we have Tice. Uh, you could say he he's a good he's, he is a great defender. I haven't really seen a whole bunch of evidence on that. I mean, sure, his hands are active, but he's pretty slow at this point. Uh, I don't know that he's he hasn't he didn't score any points in the last two games. I mean, he played all of what thirty one minutes uh, combined. It just hasn't really that part of the Harden trade is still pretty lackluster. So I'm curious what his role and like I said lack thereof would be moving forward yeah the only one thing is it really seems like Ty trusts him and that is certainly something that could be a detriment to Ty is that he has these veterans that he trusts and he rides with them and I think he likes what Tucker can bring as that small ball five and also perhaps that power forward position um, and to shout out Adam Osland again PJ Tucker next to Zoo through eight games they have a net rating of negative 52.9 in 37 minutes. 
I mean, that is awful. Um, And the Clippers are shooting just under 26% from the field with them as the four and the five. And so that is really bad. And it shows you that just Tucker Wazoo is not working. The spacing is not there. And it just doesn't work defensively. It doesn't work offensively. So those two simply can't be on the court together. However, P.J. Tucker with Daniel Tice in that game against the Spurs, they were a plus 16. So it works a little bit better with Tice. He can spread the floor a little bit uh, more than Zoo. And it, for some reason, even though Zoo's the better defender, the, the plus 16. Um, all, it's a small sample size. So I'm curious to get a couple more games of it. I think Ty is going to keep playing P.J. Tucker next to Zoo for the next several games to see if it can maybe can get better. Um, and I think he'll do the same thing with Tice. But the early returns are not good at all with P.J. Tucker next to Zoo. And I've been very anti-P.J. Tucker on the last several podcasts. And I don't know what his role is going to be when Plumlee comes back because it's possible that Tice supplants Tucker. And then you have Plumlee that all of a sudden enters the rotation. And who knows? Will, will Tucker have a role? And... It's a possibility just because of his defense. And listen, he was he was guarding Wemby apparently yesterday. I didn't watch the game, but I read some stuff about that. And he's a guy that can guard Giannis at times. And who knows if he's just one of those guys that just steps up against some big dudes and he just doesn't get shown in the box score because he doesn't score. But his defense is certainly going to have to be something that is good. And early on it wasn't. But if he can be decent against these good players – then it certainly is going to give him playing time because his defense is what matters. His offense is not really what the Clippers are looking for. They're looking for him to hit that corner three from time to time. But when he's on the floor, the defense needs to be good. And that plus minus is going to be really bad if the defense is bad because his offense isn't great. But the plus minus can be decent if the defense is good with him on the floor. And so that's going to be the huge thing to keep an eye on over the next several games is what does the defense look like when P.J. Tucker is getting his minutes? It's a fair point. I'd be curious to see how many of PJ's 16 minutes he guarded Wemby. Um, I don't have it in front of me. Wemby and Yana just, he just, he just didn't really have it last night. He didn't have it in the first uh, game all, either, all, by the way. Altogether? All yeah, he didn't have it in the first game. I had this, I put this together. I was looking at the two games just to interrupt you real quick. Wemby against the Clippers in the two games is 8 of 22 from the field, 0 for 6 from 3, 8 total rebounds. This is a guy that sometimes gets double-digit rebounds in a single game and three blocks. So he is shooting terribly, doesn't have a three against the Clippers, and 8 total rebounds. The Clippers have done a really great job on him through the first two games. Well, that's great. I mean, because he is he is incredible. Uh, and as far as Tucker, I, I guess I get what you're saying. So like against a guy like Giannis, um, of course, Jokic is a different um, beast altogether. But like guys like Giannis, or uh, if we saw him you know, in any meaningful capacity that would be in the finals. And you would think perhaps Kawhi guards. I mean, you can throw Tucker to spell, you know, Kawhi a little bit, and you probably have to rotate a few guys onto him. So in that regard, I don't think he's going to be, speaking of Tucker, any sort of insert name here, stopper, uh, insert big man, insert great big man, Embiid, yeah. uh, whatever. I don't think he's going to be a stopper, but he can spell some of the guys for some minutes. You know, he's he's got six fouls all to himself. If he needs to use them, I I am not as confident in his defensive prowess at this point in his career, as it sounds that you might be. No, I'm right. not. Def- I'm not. There's de- there is def- there's definitely a role yeah. for him. Listen, I'm not. And from what I've seen so far, I'm not. But Ty Lue obviously thinks he's seen something either 
from his time in Philly or he's seen something in practice or whatnot because he's getting minutes. And, I mean, he's, there's not a lot of guys that could get minutes anyways in place of P.J. Tucker right now. I mean, this is not the deepest team in the world since they got rid of Robert Covington and Nico Batum. Um, and they got rid of Marcus Morris as well. So they got rid of three of their power forwards. So somebody's got to play power forward um, unless Kawhi and PG slide down a position, which has happened. Um, or you got a guy like T-Man that goes and plays power forward. So we'll see maybe what the team roster looks like in a couple of months because Justin brought it up. This may not be the final roster. Like we may see some tinkering. We may see some trades. We may see some additions. One thing to note is that I'm pretty sure the Clippers cannot sign any buyout guys that are making more than the minimum. So because they're over that second apron um, and the new CBA, in the past, the Clippers were able to obviously sign a guy like Russell Westbrook when he was bought out. The Clippers can't do that now with the new CBA. So something to keep an eye on is the Clippers can't sign the biggest of names um, if they're bought out. So how are they going to make their trades or how are they going to make their, de- uh, their roster better? Probably going to have to happen via trade. But again, they don't have very many assets to deal. They have one first round pick in 2030. And then they have maybe a guy like Bones or Westbrook. But again, Westbrook doesn't make much money. Bones doesn't make much money. So what are you realistically going to get back in return? Because you don't have a ton of contracts. It would probably have to get rid of a guy like Norm Powell. But we've discovered that Norm Powell actually makes a lot of sense with this construction of roster. I mean, with this roster construction. Because initially he was a guy that's like, all right, get rid of him because his defense sucks. And then the Harden trade happened. And then all of a sudden, Norm Powell's getting minutes next to the starters. Um in place, I mean, next to Kawhi and Zoo and PG and Harden, and he looks great there. So all of a sudden, he's a guy that maybe you're not dealing. So I don't know how they're even going to make a trade, but we'll see. It's so difficult. I mean, I, I like I'm sure many of us, uh, when we are uh, pretending to work, are actually just on the ESPN trade machine and matching contracts right now between any team and the Clips. I mean, it is really hard to get. Uh, a trade of any significance uh, if you're not giving up Norm Powell. And at this moment, it seems like, yeah, you're you're right. It'd be a pretty big detriment to the team to give him up. I mean, of course, depending what you get back, but, you know, don't cut off your nose to spite the face. Keep Norm if he's, if he's, if it's working. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. I mean, the Clippers once again are an eight and a half point favorite against the Spurs. So you'd assume that they would take care of business or you'd hope that they would take care of business again. And that could be a three game winning streak after that six game losing streak. And then another game on Friday. And that'll be a little bit tougher because you face a team um, that has Brandon Ingram and has Zion. Um, CJ McCollum has now been cleared to practice. So who knows when he comes back to the floor. But Valanchunas has been a Clippers killer. Um, Herb Jones has been absolutely outstanding this season. Um, a guy that's racking up steals and blocks every single game. He is a defensive menace. So I'm sure he'll be a problem, whether he's on Harden, PG, or Kawhi. And they've got some young guys that have really stood out. And Dyson Daniels and Jordan Hawkins. So that Pelicans game will be a fun one. Um, but obviously the game that comes first is that game on Wednesday um, tomorrow against San Antonio. And then it's Thanksgiving and then a game on Friday against New Orleans. So our next podcast will most likely come um, either it's probably going to come on Sunday because you look at the schedule and you got Thanksgiving on Thursday and then Friday and Saturday is a back-to-back. So probably talk about the San Antonio, New Orleans, Dallas games, all three of those before that three game stretch that we talked about with Denver, Sacramento and Golden State. So um, the tough three games coming up, but three games that you'd hope the Clippers would win, Matt. I mean, you look at the schedule and you see San Antonio, you see New Orleans, you see Dallas and Dallas has been, really all over the Clippers recently, but 
three games that you could win. And you'd hope the Clippers take at least two of three from those next three. I mean, it's crazy. We could be talking on Sunday as we're coming out of our turkey comas mm-hmm. and the Clippers could be over 500, right? Yeah. So it, it really a ray of sunshine could could ride. And I'm, I'm so curious about all three of these games coming up. If the Clippers can bounce back against Dallas, who, speaking of like the PJ Tuckers of the world, what what the Clippers are going to do against Zion, and in the in the next game, and folks tune in to this Sunday podcast because everybody is going to be waiting for the latest update in Brandon Marcus's Wembenyama tracker of how he's played against the Clippers all season. I I can't I can't wait for for the update. Listen, you look at a box score, you do a little bit of addition, and all of a sudden. You see what happens. So the Clippers are five and seven right now, and you bring up a good point. Five hundred, you could be over five hundred. You could be eight and seven if you win the next three games. So we could be talking here on Sunday, and the Clippers could go from the sky is falling, this team sucks, to the Clippers are eight and seven, and all of a sudden back in the playoff picture. Um, a lot can change. Maybe the Clippers could also lose two of the next three, and all of a sudden you're looking at, oh no, the Clippers could be six and nine, and the sky still could be falling, and maybe. It was a little fool's gold with the first two games. So these three games are going to be really interesting, and I'll be curious to see what it looks like. But it'll be fun, man. Any Thanksgiving plans for you? Uh, Just, you know, dinner with with the fam and my mom and my beautiful – oh, my beautiful, beautiful wife who asked me to – or just wanted to make sure that I – as I do on all podcasts, just in case she's listening, just say just how much I adore and love her. She's so beautiful, and she's my best friend. And she's the best. Oh, there you go. That's sweet. See, I, I could do that, but my, I know my wife's not going to listen, and there's no shot in hell of it. So um, there's I no could, way, Jackie. I could, my, there's no way my wife's listening either. But hey, just in case, listen. You, you could say all the nice things in the world, and I'll, I'll say plus plus one to that one. Um, but my wife's not listening. Um, she is probably better off uh, using her time to watch a crime documentary or something. It seems like that would be uh, something she would enjoy doing, but. Um, your wife, it's your final Thanksgiving before you become three. So enjoy it before you are not really able to sit down and enjoy a full meal because you have to tend to a child. So some words of advice there, enjoy every meal, every big meal that you get a chance to do, because you'll be chasing around a kid in a couple of years, but you'll be tending to a kid next year and uh, burping them and feeding them and not able to have that long Thanksgiving coma that you want to have. So enjoy this one, all right? I'll enjoy this one, and I'm sure it will be taxing, but I, I bet I'll enjoy the the ones that you're talking about even more. Yeah, you will. Listen, what a positive guy. I love having Matt Mattawarren on this podcast. He is just such a good dude. At Matt Mattawarren on Twitter. I am at BD Marcus. Of course, you can always follow Ethos Clippers on Twitter as well. If you can give us that five-star rating, drop a review. It does help the podcast continue to grow. We're thankful for each and every one of you that listens to this podcast. So have a very happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back on Sunday to recap the next three games. At least we're going to hope to be back on Sunday. That's the tentative plan. I know that I never stick by what I say, but we're going to do our best um, to have a podcast out on Sunday to talk about those three games. So until next time, he's Matt, I'm Brandon, and go Clips. Gobble, gobble, go Clips.